Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. I'm recording this episode from a working animal farm where my family and I have escaped for a little bonding time with each other and with nature. So I have no idea what you might hear in the background from time to time, but it's worthwhile because I'm super excited to welcome my guest today. She's a true multi-hyphenate whose entertainment career spans over 20 years, singer, songwriter, actress, and activist. She's a wonderfully big-hearted person who spent her voice in spotlight generously helping others. She's potentially dazed maybe even hours away from giving birth and adding another major hyphenate to her very accomplished list. We are going to talk about career, relationship, fertility, pregnancy, and plans for birth and motherhood. Mandy Moore, welcome to the podcast. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much. That's the truth. Your heart walks into the room about five minutes before you do. Well, that is very kind of you. Thank you. It's just the truth. Okay, so we have so much to pack into this episode here. I want to know everything because I don't really know you that well. And, you know, you're just like very, you walk into the office and you're like girl next door. And then all of a sudden you're like, you can do anything you want to, apparently. A very, very talented person. So how did it all start? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And how'd you get started in the business? So I grew up in Orlando, Florida, just a random girl, nothing to do with Disney or the Mickey Mouse Club or any of the like. And um, I got started just doing theater as a kid and kind of got, quote unquote, discovered singing the national anthem of all things. I sort of like became known as the national anthem girl in Orlando and would literally sing for any event that would ask me, whether it was like the arena football team the rollers, the hockey team, a tennis tournament, like anything. And that's sort of what it took in terms of the right people hearing me. And I signed a record deal when I was almost 15 and started my music career, I guess. And one thing led to another. And obviously, like having some semblance of success with one side of the industry really opened doors to a lot of other opportunities. And through the music, I then got involved with the acting side of things, which was something I always wanted to do as well. And that led to films and television. And yeah, lo and behold, 21 years later, I've managed to stick around somehow. As a little girl in Orlando, Florida, I mean, you said you studied theater, right? So what brought your attraction to theater? And were you also studying singing? Did you see your future in both places? I mean, studying is more of an aggressive word than it's very generous. I I mean, like I was just a theater kid. I would literally look in the Orlando Sentinel, the local paper. They had an audition hotline every Friday, I think it was. And before school, I would call and see what like the upcoming auditions for the next week were for kids my age. So I didn't really have any like formal training per se. And my voice lessons really consisted of my mom had a friend who she played tennis with who taught piano and voice lessons at the music store in the mall and so (laughs) that's sort of like what i did but i just i remember i i went to a school that had some semblance of an emphasis on the arts and like all the kids had to participate in music and drama and they did like a big school play every year like at the touring auditorium where all the you know touring broadway shows came through and i remember seeing oklahoma when i was six and just being mesmerized with the girl on stage you know laurie singing oh what a beautiful morning and i was like i want to do that it was just this light bulb moment for me as a kid 
Wow. This is crazy because that's how I learned chiropractic. I was just in a mall and I walked by a little booth. And that was, <laughs> that was it. That was it. And here I am. That's uh, just <laughs> secret talent. So <laughs> I wasn't a theater kid, but my whole family did theater. My father was the president of the Dramatic Society. My brother was in the Dramatic Society. I went to the same school, also uh, heavily involved in the Dramatic Society, always planning to do healthcare, but I don't know why. I love acting because I love to be somebody else for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And then that whole live theater interaction is just, um, I don't know, it's exciting to me. I always loved it. But in your case, when you were growing up and you kind of hit success early on with the anthem, I have two questions. We never won any stage fright at all because you never seem worried. And also, when your career starts to take off as like a teenager, I mean, it's obviously a very different lifestyle than a typical teenager. So what kind of impact does that have on your upbringing? I definitely had some bit of stage fright and still do. I remember very vividly singing the anthem and several times like adults coming up to me saying, you better remember the words. We just had so-and-so in here the night before and I totally botched it. And <laughs> I am like a 12-year-old quivering going, oh my gosh, I have such a tremendous responsibility to remember these words. But it's funny as... I found like a career and started so young. I initially started, um, my goodness, I signed a record deal. I made my first album. I flew out to Los Angeles, filmed my very first music video, and then flew all the way back across the country to Virginia Beach, Virginia to start the InSync tour. Uh, they're like summer amphitheater tour in 1999. And from InSync and spending the summer with them, I immediately went on tour with the Backstreet Boys and their giant like arena tour for that album Millennium where they literally like flew in from like the rafters. It was a crazy, crazy experience to go from literally watching these gentlemen on my television on MTV like in the morning as I was getting ready to go to my freshman year of high school to six months later opening up for them. I mean it was beyond fantasy dream come true sort of stuff but I, I very vividly remember not being frightened. I think just the you know part of being a young person when you don't know what you don't know like I didn't know to be nervous. I just was so elated for that opportunity and like relished every second of being on stage. And I just remember like the lights going down and 20,000 glow sticks and just really feeling like I was in my element. Now, forget it. I would like poop myself. <laughs> I would be so <laughs> terrified. Um, but as a kid, it was like, yeah, I just had all the confidence in the world. It's funny how that happens. But yeah, and, and to just quickly answer your other question, it, it was a really bizarre transition to go from starting my high school career and leaving halfway through my freshman year and kind of having just started making friends and letting people know, like, actually I'm leaving because I signed a record deal. Like I didn't really want to tell people because I didn't want to come across as being conceited or full of myself. And also I just didn't know what was going to happen. Like I could very well go like record music and then nothing sort of panned out and I would come back to school again. So I didn't really know what to tell people, but yeah, very quickly the touring led to getting a job at MTV, becoming an MTV VJ at 15. And then, you know, starting to tour the country and the world with my own music and, you know, then doing a couple of films and yeah. And then fast forward to being 36 and. Boom, just like that. 
How old were you when you did the candy video? I was 15. As That's well. what I thought. I, I was like, she's way too young to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're actually towing me. <laughs> secrets of, yeah, making videos and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, I was doing a little research. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm doing the math. <laughs> it's not working out for me. Okay. I have my learner's permit, but not my license. Now, uh, television. How do you like TV? I love TV. I have been enjoying this chapter of my life and career, and I can't believe the good fortune I've had to, you know, really my first blast out of the canon in the TV world to have found a show and a job like This Is Us has just been, it's the greatest job I've ever had beyond. I love it. I love the people I get to work with. I love the material that we're all lucky enough to get to work with. Like it truly is a dream come true. And I'm grateful every day I get to go to work. I love it. Before we switch to more personal things, are there things in the entertainment realm that you still want to conquer that you're looking forward to reaching? I recently signed a deal to start my own production company. So I'm really interested in, in wearing that producerial hat and perhaps directing as well. And just continuing to sort of make music as well. I put out a record almost a year ago and it was my first record in about 11 years. So I'm happy to sort of like have the momentum of music back in my life again and want to continue that and not have such a long stretch of time between records. But yeah, from a professional capacity, I think like those three things I hope we're going to factor into my life in a bigger way in, in the future. You are a person who likes to give back. You're sensitive to other people's needs. What are the different causes that have called to you over the years? Um, I'd say most recently I found myself really interested in global health um, and have had the good fortune of traveling around the world. And it actually sort of factors into sort of the... Um, the maternal side of things, of traveling around the world, looking at child and maternal health with an organization called PSI and with the United Nations and just beyond my wildest imagination in terms of the opportunities where I've been able to travel and what I've been able to see and, you know, such a profound perspective shift. Uh, so that's been something that's really near and dear to me. Um, I'm a big animal lover. So anything having to do with animals and animal rescue is also really close to my heart. Yeah. Lots of stuff over the years. Yeah, all those things, to me, they're big signs of a giant heart. And I think also just very maternal-oriented, like caring about others, taking care of others. And so uh, I think that, you know, things are going to climax in there emotionally in uh, the next couple of days. It's just my guess. <laughs> all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll dig deeper with Mandy Moore. I have an incredible offer for you for my friends at Needed. An astounding 95% of women aren't meeting their omega-3 needs. Omega-3 fatty acids, especially DHA and EPA, are crucial for both mother and baby. They support brain and eye health, maternal mood, immunity, and much more. But it can be hard to get enough omega-3 from diet alone, especially during pregnancy when many people are averse to eating fish. 
And if you've ever taken a fish oil pill, you know just how unpleasant that can be. That's why I'm excited to share that my friends at Needed have revolutionized the Omega-3 supplement with two different options designed specifically for mamas. An Omega-3 powder that blends into smoothies and a pill option that tastes like fresh citrusy bergamot. Both are sustainably sourced from vegan algae, not fish. Both are great options for nausea and sensitive-prone mamas. Needed's Omega-3 powder is delivered in liposomes, nature's very cool way of protecting and delivering omega-3 just like in breast milk. Needed's omega-3 is clinically proven to be five times better absorbed than fish oil pills. The powder is mild-tasting, and it pairs great with Needed's prenatal multi-powder and collagen protein powder in a daily smoothie. If powder isn't your thing, Needed's got you covered with those omega-3 plus capsules, which have a pleasant citrus flavor. Needed is sharing an awesome pre-order discount just for my listeners. Buy two, get one free on either Omega-3 option, powder or capsules. You can stock up on either one or try them both. With this exclusive discount, use code 3BERLIN, the number 3BERLIN at thisisneeded.com. Put three Omega-3s in your cart, use the code number 3BERLIN at thisisneeded.com. Buy two, get one free. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. And in case you're wondering, Mandy hasn't given birth yet, but we're going to move things right along just in case. I mean, you're very close. I am. I'm, I'm on the precipice. I'm like 39 and a half weeks. So oh my yeah. it happens at any moment. Yeah. I mean, it would be great. It's never happened on the podcast. I mean, that would really make it. I woke up thinking about that this morning. I'm like, (laughs) what if I wanted to like early labor? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Just like deep breathing through the podcast episode. Because you can, you're an actor. You could just pretend like that's happening right now. We can both have a contraction. I can dig back into my theater days. Before we get to this pregnancy and, and relationship, how have relationships been for you? Just in general, um, you know, I think I've had my fair share of ups and downs. But where I find myself right now is, you know, I'm very, very grateful for. I have an incredible husband and partner, and I knew pretty immediately meeting him that this was it. This was the one. This was the person I hoped to, you know, start a family with. And lo and behold, I lucked out. How did you guys meet? We met kind of via Instagram, which feels super modern. We, uh, <laughs> he's a musician, and I heard a song of his on, on the radio, and I did like the, you know, modern thing of like getting back to my computer and looking up, like I missed the radio announcer, like coming back saying that was so-and-so with such and such songs. So I like had to dig deep on the, the website of the radio station to figure out like, who was that band? What was that song? And that sort of led me to checking them out on Instagram. And I saw they had new music out. And so I kind of like wrote about it in not a veiled way, but I also am not the most tech savvy, as you realize. Very good at helping me download podcast episodes and look on Instagram and stuff. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so it's not like I tagged him or did any of the things you're supposed to do if you want someone to like notice you or notice that you said something about them. And Somehow he found that I had complimented him and, and found a way to sort of like surreptitiously send me an email from his manager to my manager. It got to me and it was lovely. And we sort of corresponding that way. And 
one thing led to the next and we ended up going out to dinner and just really hitting it off. And then we had to go our separate ways. He was going on tour for like four months. So really our relationship started and kind of crystallized over FaceTime and texting and emailing and whatnot. And yeah, that was sort of it. For anybody who doesn't know, who was the band and the guy and what was the song? (laughs) Well, his name is Taylor Goldsmith. He's from Los Angeles and in a band called Dawes. And the song was called Most People. And I just, I, I loved it. It was like, unlike anything I had really heard in a long time. And the lyrics were so soulful and feelingful. And I was like, who is this person? What is this music? Yeah, I was very, very struck by that. I'm so curious if you ever sing together. We do. We sing together a lot. And we wrote my whole last record together. And he's in my band. And yeah, now with a baby on the way, like there's, I mean, music's a constant theme in our house. He sings to the baby. I sing to the baby. We sing together. Like, it's pretty sweet. You said once you met, you realized this is the guy I want to start a family with. I mean, I know the relationship was virtual for a while, which is hard for family starting, but how far into the relationship did you guys, I mean, did you talk about it together when we might do that? I think it sort of went unsaid for a long time. I mean, I was in a very different place than him. I I met him when I was actually in the middle of a divorce. And so I was obviously like emotionally and psychologically like in a very different spot than a single 30 year old man who'd never really you know been in like a long-term relationship before but I think we both were on the same page in terms of like this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with so I think it was I'd say it was like within the first six months we sort of started like you know daydreaming together about what life would look like you know living together and eventually getting married and starting a family it was like all those things that I never really necessarily felt in my previous relationship were just on the surface from the start with Taylor. I mean how did that relationship unfold how long until you called it the relationship and then also kind of started out on your path to parenthood pretty immediately I'd say yeah within that first like six months it was apparent that we were both in it for the long haul this is us (laughs) this is us this is us (laughs) (laughs) we bought a home together and yeah and everything sort of started to fall in line in a way that I had kind of dreamed about although I was never that girl that like dreamed about a wedding or like who the guy would be or what he would do with none of that really ever factored into me but it is sort of the way things did fall into line and I'd say it was tricky with the work schedule because although I do play a mother on This Is Us and play a mother at various different chapters and I was always like well we should I know this is not the way that pregnancy and fertility and whatnot works but I was like let's try and find the right window to do this so you know I can give birth at the right time and I'm not necessarily going to be like messing up this schedule at work I was trying to be as conscientious about that as possible which now I just sort of chuckle about because it was a ridiculous notion and proposition. And I'd say we tried for about a year before I think I realized "Hmm, it's probably time that we talked to a fertility specialist because I was 35. And I was like, I just kind of want to get a lay of the land. Like, what if 
there's something going on that I don't know about in terms of my body. And I know that OBs and your gynecologists tend to tell you like, you know, give it the old college try for a year. And then if things haven't sort of figured themselves out, then that's when you go to address whatever issues may be underlying. And that's kind of what we did. And it oddly worked out during COVID of all times, (laughs) during this quarantine period, which I know there's definitely been a bit of a quarantine baby boom. And uh, we're part of it. I've heard coronials as a term. <laughs> I've heard baby zoomers. Baby zoomers. Um, yeah. I've heard. Here we're, and you're baby zooming right now. Yeah. So even though it's the old college trying college, it seems to happen pretty quickly by accident. And so to go a year, even though that's typically what you're told is normal, it must be a little frustrating if you're actively trying and ready to do this thing. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it was curious. And, you know, I think like most people, I was under the false illusion that like, my whole life I've tried not to get pregnant. (laughs) And when I decide to like, you know, get that IUD removed, like it's just going to bing, bang, boom, like everything's going to fall into place and happen the way it's supposed to. And it'll be easy and seamless. And that wasn't the case. And it took actually a friend uh, suggesting a fertility doctor here in Los Angeles, like you should just go get checked out. Cause I thought everything was okay too. And I found that I had X, Y, and Z going on and we were able to sort of remedy things and lo and behold, now I'm pregnant. So that's what we did. We sort of had a zoom consultation with a fertility doctor here in Los Angeles. And then went in for like my first appointment and she sent me to have a uterine x-ray which sort of confirmed that I indeed had cartilage at the top of my uterus where implantation, I guess, occurs 80% of the time. And she kind of also deduced that I probably had endometriosis. And she's like, you know, I think the next step would be to have surgery for both things. And then we can sort of reassess things afterwards and figure out like, you know, do you need to do an egg retrieval? Do we, you know, we, we were sort of like taking it one step at a time, but I felt really like buoyed by the fact that like, okay, great. I know what's going on with my body now. There's a plan in place. And this is sort of the answer as to why I wasn't getting pregnant. So I was very excited. And I remember after this, this appointment or at the end of our appointment, she's like, and by the way, you're ovulating tomorrow, which was also sort of a revelation to me because I was like, oh, I thought that I ovulated like five days from now. Like I completely had my ovulation schedule off, which I've come to realize was also a big factor. And she's like, so, you know, if you want to do something tonight and maybe the day after, because you can, but like, no, you know, obviously like we're going ahead full steam with this surgery plan, but you know, it couldn't hurt if you want to. And I was like, okay. And that was it. Literally, that was it. And um, pre-surgery. Pre-surgery, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you haven't had it yet? I have not had the surgery. No. no. Oh wow, that's so crazy. Whoever would have imagined that a reproductive endocrinologist could just meet with you one time and tell you what's going on in there, and then you get pregnant after a year plus of trying. Yeah. Well, I guess it was meant to be. I guess so. Although. We were incredibly nervous. I remember finding out and thinking, is this okay? Because, you know, the doctor told us 80% of the time, like it's supposed to, you know, implant at the top of the uterus and I have no blood supply there because there's cartilage. Like, 
it also means that like an ectopic pregnancy could factor in. So I was very hesitant to really believe and completely celebrate. I was terrified. And it took like, you know, just those baby steps as I'm sure every pregnant person feels like each step of the way as the weeks go on and, you know, you hear the heartbeat and, and then you make it to like the 12 week mark. And then you make it to that first like periodontologist appointment, like all of those kind of lead you to having a little bit more like belief in the pregnancy, having confidence about it. And that's sort of what it took for us as well. It felt so wholly unbelievable that this was happening after what we were sort of told that, yeah, it it took a while to really believe it, I guess. Yeah. And also you're just like hoping and waiting and, you know, checking and, and not being pregnant. I think anybody generally, it's hard to connect to the fact that there's a baby in there Uh, at the beginning and everybody has a little time where it becomes real for them but when you struggle or when you have that news that something's up in there that would really inhibit pregnancy i'm sure it takes longer i think for me our first pregnancy didn't seem real to me until this is like before instacart and postmates my wife sent me to the market to get a list of things and i remember distinctly buying the eggs and buying the milk and both of them i checked the expiration date they were both after our due date and i was like holy cow this is getting real like this could be breakfast once he's already here and i told my wife and she's like oh it's about time it got real for you (laughs) you That's so funny. I love that. I do. Right before we go to break and come back and talk about your pregnancy and birth plans, how did you find out? What was that month? Did you do a test? We did a test. My period was late. We did a test, like, you know, the millionth test that you've done throughout your life. And I just remember, like, doing it, putting it on the windowsill, like, in the bathroom. And he was in the bathroom and saw it before I did. And was like, hey! <laughs> I like come running into the bathroom and he was holding it and both of us were like like just started laughing and didn't know what to think and immediately afterwards we were going to meet his parents and my parents because everybody was in town we we're going to go outside it was in the midst of COVID so we had to keep this gigantic secret that we had just found out from our parents it was such a bizarre moment because we were like running late to go meet them anyway and it was like what what do we do do we do we tell them we're running late do we tell them the news do we so it was yeah it was pretty hilarious but also just very special and special that he found out first and so oh my goodness ridiculous way <laughs> that is so sweet and surprising it's not what i was expecting you to say i don't know if you can hear but the roosters woke up and they are making themselves heard and there's literally an 800 pound pig walking by my window right now so (laughs) it's an amazing farm we're up in gilroy california and this ranch she's got like 50 60 animals here and it's just a private ranch you just walk around the animals are mostly walking around free there's a donkey a zonkey a bunch of horses cows a camel a baby camel a little baby pig wilbur who just kind of nuzzles up to you he wants you to lay down and snuggle with him yeah i might yeah roughly vegetarian for at least the next week because you can't eat any meat around here just doesn't feel right all right we're gonna take a uh, quick break and we'll be right back with mandy moore Welcome back 
to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Mandy Moore. Uh, due very soon, let's talk about pregnancy. So I know it didn't feel super real to you at the very beginning, sort of surreal. In the first trimester, did you have first trimester type symptoms? Oh, yeah. It was pretty, pretty abysmal for like four months, actually. Just nausea from the second I woke up to the second I went to sleep. And I got sick at least once a day. I had crazy food aversions. Um, all the things you hear about, but I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting, but I love how people tell you, no, no, it's a good sign. Being sick is a good sign. I remember thinking like, is that just what they tell you to make you feel better? Cause you feel so terrible. But so I, I tried to take solace in the fact that it was like, oh, this means it's a healthy baby. There's lots of like hormones coursing through me. Um, but yeah, I, I lost a lot of weight the first trimester. I literally could not eat. But my sweet husband took very good care of me and we binged a lot of stuff <laughs> and I just stayed in bed all day. And it was, it was great because I didn't feel lucky that I didn't have a job that I had to show up to, especially in this day and age of quarantining and COVID. I, I really didn't even have any obligations like this via Zoom. So it was fantastic just to sort of like hole up at home and sort of power through that trimester and then. Yeah, I felt so much. I found the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like midway through my second trimester and just the world opened back up again and you have all that energy and you can eat and it's been smooth sailing ever since, actually. I feel oh, that's really great. Lucky. Yeah. Um, when you say sick, is that nauseous? Is that vomiting or both once a day? Both once a day. Oh, wow. Did you end up uh, finding anything that helped you feel better? Nothing. I mean, it, it sort of fluctuated. It would, freezing out the nausea helps sometimes and having, you know, like ice cold lemon water. Sometimes like drinking, you know, like a recharge, like a sports drink, like was helpful. Sometimes rice cakes were good, but then the next day it was like, I couldn't even stomach the look at them. I <laughs> remember like asking Taylor to eat outside sometimes because I just couldn't smell food. Like I love coffee. And that was the very first thing that I realized, like, oh, I can't have coffee. Like, I can't even smell coffee. I can't hear the grounds. Like, I can't oh, wow. hear the go off, like, which was strange and very sad to me. I thought, like, oh, maybe <laughs> at some point during my second trimester, if I feel better, like, I will eventually welcome a cup of coffee back into my life. No, it's that. Hopefully, we'll come back when he's here because I, I'm sure I'm going to need it. <laughs> I I don't know. After nine months of not having it, it may feel strange to drink it again. But my wife had a version. She had very bad nausea and vomiting in the first trimester always. And certain things like orange juice and other things that didn't appeal to her, which is a soft way of saying it, still don't. Even um, like there are certain songs like the kids, maybe on our third pregnancy, the kids were watching like Wonder Pets and things on TV. Great show. But if you even hum three bars from that song, she will get green and make you leave the house immediately. The sounds, the smells, the taste, they still trigger her. I can believe it. There's definitely certain scents and like, yeah, like I, I think about like what we were watching during that time. All of it is like, wow, it was the real time capsule that you're like, I don't need to revisit that anytime soon. Second trimester better, which is great. And just to put this in perspective, the entire time is pandemic, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So what month did you find that, or did Taylor find that positive pregnancy test? Uh, it was May, the end of May. May, so like really spiking here in Los Angeles with yeah. the uh, pandemic, March, April, May. 
And so typically, I assume you'd love to go out and do things, but really, were you stuck in like almost a total quarantine? I'm definitely more of a homebody. I mean, it's been hard not having friends and family like over inside our home. We really limited all interactions to outside. And and because I was so unwell for those first few months, it did definitely make it easier to just pull up the two of us at home without feeling like we were missing out or we had to sort of make any excuses or, you know, uh, we were missing obligations or something. So yeah, that definitely made it easier. I've actually really enjoyed being pregnant during this time. I think simply for that fact, not feeling bad, like not feeling well enough or, you know, not feeling like myself to want to like attend, you know, dinner parties or whatever the heck. So I'm really happy that I've been able to sort of just have this time and have this time with my husband, who is typically a touring musician and his job takes him away from home often, most of the year, more or less. And we've had this beautiful time together. Like we've had this experience, the entire pregnancy, like to be able to walk through it hand in hand has just been magical. And we would not have had it had it not been for this pandemic and and sort of shutting the world down. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic is so tragic in so many ways, but I think all tragedy also opens the door for, you know, innovation and also for opportunities that didn't exist that maybe you never could have pictured yourself being able to do that way. So we mourn the losses that many people have experienced, the sickness, the death and uh, the financial destruction. But at the same time, it's the entire world. It's not a city. It's not a town. It's not a country. It's the entire world is sort of having to scratch their heads and figure out how to do things differently. I know in our house, I'm home for dinner every night at 630, which is super rare. I didn't do that for the first 15 years the kids were home I, I tried I you know I thought I was doing a good job the best I could but the pandemic really made us realize you can do better and pushed us to really spend family quality time together hence this farm with all these animals running by and so you know silver lining when you can right so absolutely and with pregnancy many of my patients are like you know we weren't sure about having a baby during pandemic but there's so much alone time and quality time people working from home and spending time at home together in your case in particular with the two very busy uh, lifestyles and entertainment this is you know in a way there's a blessing side to it all your second trimester you felt better did you feel like even better than not pregnant or just better I think after going through those first few months, I felt like I was on cloud nine. I mean, it it definitely felt akin to how I felt pre-pregnancy. It was just like everything was in black and white and suddenly like technicolor was back. And yeah, I could eat again. I didn't have like the same kinds of food aversions. I had energy. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like I was back to my old self. And I wasn't necessarily like uncomfortable. I wasn't super pregnant. Like I wasn't showing. You definitely, yeah, feel like you're back into sort of pre-pregnancy land in a way. Any cravings? No, no cravings. Man, I even get cravings when my wife's pregnant. <laughs> That's insane. No cravings. When you did pop, when you did start to show, how is that for you? Just seeing yourself grow in different ways. I have loved it. I've loved it. I have such a deeper appreciation for my body and the fact that, you know, us pregnant folks have the capability to do this. It's the coolest thing. I mean, I know that I joke with my husband already. We're not at the end of the like roller coaster ride. And I'm like, I want to do this again. I'm so ready to do this again. 
even if I was as sick as I was during the first trimester, there is something I think in the third trimester that is so profoundly magical and beautiful. Like I get to carry around this, you know, people say like, oh, aren't you excited to meet your baby? I'm like, I am with him all day. Like we're together. Like, yes, I can't wait to meet him Earthside is this thing, but like I feel him all day. I talk to him. Like I already feel this very profound connection. And it's just unlike anything I ever could have imagined. So yeah, I love this and I love how my body has changed and I really sort of have leaned into it. And it's remarkable. It's remarkable what we're capable of. With all the singing you guys do to him, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come out crying in perfect pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Birth. That's the next thing on the docket. Uh, When do you start thinking about birth? Is it something you thought about before you were even pregnant or researched while you're pregnant? What's your background with uh, birth? Oh, well, we sort of were indoctrinated into the cult of the business of being born. Uh, (laughs) Ricky got us. Um, We watched it before we were pregnant and, you know, both wholeheartedly sort of took away from that experience, the fact that we wanted to have a home birth. And that's sort of what we, when we did find out that we were pregnant, you know, started the sort of search for a midwife and a doula and we're just really excited about the fact that we were hoping, I I know they say not to make a plan, quote unquote, because plans can change as they have in our case. So it was like our intention. We were very intentional and excited about this prospect of being at home for the birth. And, you know, it was like, I was like, Taylor, I want you to to do a playlist, but also like, I want you to have the guitar on standby. (laughs) You know, it was just like, we were really excited about like what the whole experience is going to be. And It's funny, we have ended up finding our midwife because she sort of was kind of in the same circle of friends. Her husband is also a musician and we had sort of met a couple of times just on the periphery, I guess, like socially and just had heard the most incredible things about her. And we met with a few people and I remember just speaking with her on the phone and Taylor and I were both like, this is it. Like, we have to work with Haley. She just has the most incredible energy and knowledge and just like a deeply soulful special human and I knew right out of the gate that this this was the person that I wanted to sort of go through this experience with and I remember asking her you know we were really passionate about having a doula as well and was there anybody that she loved and worked with and immediately she was like do you know Carson Meyer I was like, yes, like we're friends with Carson. Like Carson was the one that told us to watch the business of being born. And we were friends with her and her boyfriend. So it was just like this remarkable full circle moment of like, I mean, I would have loved to have worked with Carson, but I also wanted to defer to Haley and who she perhaps felt the most comfortable with. So it was fantastic. I felt so immediately sold on this team that we had assembled and you know from very early on in pregnancy like had them both on this journey with us are you both more natural in your approach to health in general you and taylor i think if anything sure we maybe lean more towards that but i'm not opposed to western medicine at all but i definitely like you know to consider a more holistic approach probably first and foremost, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that we're like, 
super crunchy granola. I didn't know anything about home birth before I had seen the business of being born. I just, oh, really? No, I didn't. I just assumed like, I hadn't really thought about a birth plan or I dreamed about being a mother for practically my whole life, but I just, I guess in a way thought, oh yeah, when that day comes, like I'll go to the hospital, you know, things will sort of unfold that way. I had never really taken into consideration or knew anybody, quite frankly, who'd had a home birth. And it's funny, once I saw the film, it was like that world opened up to me and it was like, I started sort of like discovering that there are more people in our orbit that had chosen that path or a birth center or that kind of approach, I guess, to birth than I guess I had realized. Yeah. You know, I see the crunchy granola people. They know (laughs) they're doing homework from day one, oftentimes, or very medicated birth. It's um, interesting to see a chewy granola like you, sort of like a a Quaker chewy, just see the business of being born and totally fall in love with the idea since you know, 97 or so percent of people give birth in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. As it turns out, so uh, Haley Oaks and Carson Meyer, who I've both um, also known for a long time and worked with, and, and soulful, spiritual, just so, like, sweet and smart and just, like, they always make you feel like no matter what's happening, it's going to be okay. And yeah. they just have that mix of book smart, street smart, and just pure soul, just like they can read what's going on just by being in the same room as you. It's like spooky. I have to try to hide my feelings. So that would have been the dream team. But in the end, you're not going that direction. In the end, I unfortunately can't go in that direction. The plan is still to labor at home with both of those wonderful ladies, the very apt description that you just unfurled there, they are. They truly are the best. They feel like I'm in the best hands. My platelets, you know, it sort of clots your blood. My platelets have been dropping throughout pregnancy and it's something I never thought about until I got, I'd say like early to midway through my third trimester, they sort of started dropping pretty precipitously and fell below the threshold that would make it possible for me to do a home birth. And so unfortunately my plans have had to change I initially was like, got it. Absolutely. Like I am malleable. I'm going to do whatever it takes for this baby. And that is absolutely how I still feel. But the grieving process about my plan, not unfolding the way that I had hoped actually, like I felt this like sort of delayed reaction. It was like a couple of weeks afterwards that it really sort of sunk in like, Oh, just hearing about other people that were planning to do home births and like feeling this weird tinge of jealousy. <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm like, oh man, like I'm happy for them. I'm also kind of sad that I don't get to have that experience that I was hoping for. But the plan now is to labor at home and then at a certain point in early active labor to go to the hospital and actually have the wonderful opportunity to deliver with a midwife at a hospital, which I know is not the normal experience. So I feel like at the end of the day, I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds and I'm very, very grateful to still have the midwifery component to to my uh, delivery. I think that, you know, the universe has pushed you in a lot of different ways. You didn't get pregnant right when you thought you wanted to get pregnant and other things like that. And, you know, so far it's worked out well for you. So the fact that you get to sort of still be surrounded by those women, you know, probably for the bulk of your labor. And then, 
go to the hospital and still have midwific care there. And, you know, now the numbers, COVID numbers are coming down. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. A lot of people got sick and then recovered and have some natural immunity. So our numbers are going down substantially and things are kind of slowly opening back up almost just in the time for you to open up. And that makes things more available and accessible than they were even just a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know. The universe seems to have your back. I mean, I have your back, but the universe also... (laughs) I do feel that. No, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. And yes, things didn't unfold the way that I wanted, but I feel like that is the ultimate lesson of life and parenthood and this next chapter that we're about to venture into. So I'm really leaning into that and leaning into the idea of surrender and things are going to unfold exactly the way that they are supposed to. And I trust that and I trust my body and I trust my team and I'm more or less just like excited. You know, I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, sir, I am ready to meet you. Let's do this. Like, yeah. um, I can't wait. Like I'm ready to embrace. It's funny. I think because I've done the hypnobirthing and I've done all these other like classes and stuff. I feel as quote unquote prepared. I know that I'm probably not remotely prepared at all, but I feel confident going into this experience of, you know, that I can handle anything. And again, that like, I really do trust my body to do what it's supposed to do. And I'm just excited to see how far can unfold. Yeah, you do have this clear in-touchness with your trust of your body, the ability to surrender into something intense if you know that you're safe, um, even if it's something you haven't felt before. And I think you are fairly well prepared. It's something you can never do a test run on and something nobody can ever explain to you what it's going to be like until you get there and something that's not even the same twice. So, you know, you have different births, each one's its own experience. So, you know, your ability to sit down in a roller coaster you've never ridden before and be all excited for the ride is... It's kind of exciting to watch and be a part of. In general, when you feel intensity, do you have visions on what's going to help you surrender into intensity? I call it intensity, but also pain and physical things that you haven't felt before. Yeah. I mean, in theory, I I definitely have like breathing techniques that I'm going to employ, mantras. I think the idea of like, I can do anything for a minute is something that really resonates with me. Like I can do anything for a minute. Also, I'm a big hiker. I love hiking. I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I've done Everest Base Camp. Like I love, I love a challenge of something that I've never done and maybe like don't necessarily have the expectation that I'm like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if I have the strength to make it like all of those things in those quiet moments when you're climbing a peak and you're on a multi-day hike or something. I imagine birth is for me, like, I know that people have lots of different intentions and visions on like a vision board of a flower opening and all those things are beautiful. But for me, I remember like going through these classes and like immediately was just struck by the analogy of like getting to the summit. So it's like, I feel like I'm going to envision a lot of like those moments of being on a mountain and just not knowing what was ahead of me, but knowing that I had the ability to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and slowly sort of just like walking uphill. I I can do that. So that's what I think I'm going to sort of lean on in those moments. I think, I don't know. I don't know what's going to help quite frankly. It's so powerful to be able to do. It's a similar thing, right? It's intensity for a good cause. It's a psychological battle and a physical battle at the same time. Battle is probably not the right word for it, but a challenge where you need to tell your body, keep going, keep going. And you know your body can do it. It's just your mind has to like push you through. 
All right. The last couple of questions here. One is the world, the state of the world. Aside from the pandemic, the world's at like such an interesting crossroads. How do you feel about bringing a baby into the world as it stands today? And how would you like to see it change? I have to say it's been an interesting experience to like, I am someone who is kind of quasi obsessed with politics and to have to go through this like political season <laughs> without like the ability to have a glass of wine was trying <laughs> at times, um, going, <laughs> but, but I made it. I am really hopeful. I feel like there is a lot to sort of take stock of. I feel like not necessarily that we've, well, in a way, I feel like we've definitely turned a corner. We're headed in the right direction. I mean, things are not going to sort of dramatically improve overnight. I think things will take a while to sort of steady themselves. But I am confident in the direction we're headed in. I'm excited to bring a child into this world and feel like there's conscientious, compassionate people at the helm kind of pointing us in the right direction now. And yeah, I'm way more excited about bringing a child into the world now than maybe I would have felt a couple of months ago. There's so much work to be done. But yes, overwhelmingly, I, I think I feel confident and excited. One of the things that's helped me through 2020 is spending my time with really nice people who are very pregnant and about to make more nice people. And the truth is, I go into the office and I see people who are fairly conservative. I see people who are fairly liberal, just really nice people on both sides of that aisle. And people who would really get along with the other people who I'm seeing if they focused even a half of a percent on what we have in common instead of our differences. What unites us and brings us together for sure. Totally. And so my hope is that all these little Corona babies are going to, you know, shed the purple light. You don't have to be pure this or pure that. You can mix a little red and blue. They'll bridge the gap, right? That's my hope. Totally. Yeah. And bring back respectful conversation where um, pendulum swings back and forth and ultimately sometimes picks up momentum going more extreme to one side or the other. But if we can kind of slow it down towards the middle would be quite wonderful. Uh, Did you guys pick a name? We did. You haven't shared it yet. <laughs> we haven't shared okay, it. Okay, you don't know. You don't have to share it here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> totally curious. We shared it with our families, but yeah, no, we picked a name pretty early on and and sort of stuck with it. Stay tuned. <laughs> all right and uh you know what thank you so much for it's so fun to talk to you you're just um a breath of fresh air and especially at 39 and a half weeks i feel like i'm less comfortable than you are <laughs> that's very kind of you no, i'm feeling good i'm excited and yeah you're so much fun to talk to you well. thank you oh uh, and then hopefully you'll come back after this uh, baby comes oh. out and have lots of new stories because yeah, so. my goodness to be a fly in the wall while you bring this baby into the world mandy where can we find you online uh you can find me i guess on instagram i'm at mandy moore mm and you know, you guys know a lot happens on Instagram with Mandy's account. I've yeah, seen yeah, you find the love of your life on Instagram. Who knows? Exactly. That's where this whole <laughs> story began. Thanks again for being here and at home. Thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you would like more pregnancy and parenting information, visit us online at informedpregnancy.com.